0: Hey, flow was just like, <laughs> let's all go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys. Jesus Christ, Doc! You disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. And Einstein.
1: Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best-loved and most-hated movies. I'm Abby.
0: I'm Frida. And this week's episode is about the movie Jane. Sorry, it's it's been a while. You got very
1: excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Our first ever documentary. Yes. (laughs) We're just off... Offline. Off... Mike, we were talking about data, and data. I was like, this this is a conversation we should have on the pod. Mm.
1: Science About is our hard. feelings. <laughs> Science is
0: really hard, and it's all about the data. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah.
1: Gotta know your anyway, data.
0: Anyway, we gotta know your data. Mm. It's hard. It is. You no, know, I- it's hard out there <laughs> for a pimp. <laughs>
1: All our, to all our science friends out there, you know, you know what we're talking about. You know what you're, I gave my first presentation this week, and I was bricking it, um, because you know it's like that classic thing where, like, look, if if you don't know already, here's a lesson in presentations. Never put a figure up there that you can't explain all the points on the figure, and never put so much text on there that people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, so I was like terrified the whole way through preparing this presentation because I was just kind of like can I explain everything can I explain everything can I explain everything like really nervous about like what questions am I going to get asked? Oh my God. Oh my God. I know nothing. I know nothing about science. I know absolutely nothing about physics. What am no. I even doing here? <laughs> no. And then like I was really scared giving the presentation as well. Like and Zoom. Zoom sucks because all you just get is just all this like sea of black screens because nobody puts their camera on because everyone's dick. So it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> I worked really hard on this.
0: <laughs> I think that Zoom manners is when someone's giving a prezzo, they have the camera on everyone else goes off
1: really so you're just, yeah i
0: think it's like a thing oh
1: i feel like you're just presenting into the void though into the void yeah. i was just gonna say it's just like <laughs> know, there's no terrible. reaction and then it gets to the end and the moderator's like any questions and then it's just a sea of silence and you're just sat there going awkward <laughs> and then i oh, obviously got terrible. asked the one question that i didn't know the answer to <laughs> like come on that was one tiny little bit that was in reference to what other people are doing in connection to the project you suck
0: (laughs) so then you use the old not within the scope of this talk
1: (laughs) no i kind of i did the you know as far as i am aware this is what this means but that's not my area (laughs) thing don't be afraid to say you don't
0: know when you don't know something Oh, my God. absolutely! fucking
1: I was going to say, let's speak about some fake scientists instead. But it's not fake
0: science today. It's real. (laughs) It's not fake science day. It's real science day. (laughs) We're here to talk about Jane. Are you ready?
1: Yes. Let's go. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. Summary. Jane Goodall. We've all heard of her, but what do we really know about her? Luckily, visionary director Brett Morgan was handed hundreds of hours of Goodall footage to turn into Jane, the 2017 documentary, which tells the story of this woman who marches to her own beat. Narrated by Goodall herself, we experience the beauty of Gombe, and its teeming life through her eyes, and are helped along with the overwhelming score by Philip Glass, another octogenarian who is still going. We see Jane take on the scientific community with her observations and the unfolding of a great romance. With her husband Hugo? No, with her work. To quote director Morgan, Jane and Hugo have a larger purpose on this earth than their own romantic endeavor. Hmm. Abby what did you think of this movie?
1: I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it I've never watched a documentary about Jane Goodall before I obviously know who she is I obviously know what she did (laughs) but I'd never actually watched a documentary and I'm glad that this is the one that I watched because I think it's very um, I really enjoyed the focus on like her early work and just centred around her individual experience at like this really specific time at the beginning I like that I didn't try to tell the whole story or like delve too far outside
0: of like that space of the beginning
1: um, moments. I really, really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was lovely.
0: Great. There aren't a lot of documentaries that are kind of about her story per se like herself the person. Right. There's not a lot. This is like, yeah, there's a lot of movies that she makes and it's like about her conservation efforts and about animals and her life with animals but nothing really that goes into like who is this person? Yeah. And what makes her tick? <sighs> <laughs> um, How about you? Some. Ah, mm. f- Fuck, you love this movie. I know. I was like, I, just, I, I don't
1: even need to ask, but go on.
0: <laughs> I just I was so emotional watching it. Like there were so many oh. things in the movie which really moved me. And um, one thing about the movie that really, really struck me was that. We are watching him, watching her, watching the chimps, Mm. right? Right. We're all just watching the watching. It's so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all just quiet observation. Mm. It's not like anything more than that. Just sitting and watching.
1: It was... I, I, found, I actually I actually wrote a note at the beginning as it started where I was just like um, who's filming this because she keeps talking about being out there on her own so this is a bit creepy who's is somebody following her or did she set up a camera herself to observe <laughs> herself and then it was only like later on that I realized oh it's Hugo and this is she's talking about the time before Hugo arrived but we're seeing footage from when Hugo arrived and is filming her and I was like okay this makes a lot more sense now
0: Oh, yeah, that took me so long to put together. I could not even tell you. It took me so long. What it took was reading about the editing, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, oh, reading about the editing and reading about, I read, I was like, who is doing it before he comes, though? I know. <laughs> I was like, racking my brain. I'm like, who's doing it? I was
1: going through this whole thing where I was just like, but she keeps talking about being alone, but she's clearly not alone because there's a cameraman. So what, does she just ignore, she just never talked to the cameraman? Why is the cameraman all, always filming her like this? This is so weird. I was like, Such an idiot.
0: I know. Such an idiot. I had the same idiotic thought as well. I was like, huh? I didn't realize that they're editing it. Yeah. But even more than that, National Geographic sent him out to reenact her early days there. Mm. So they reenacted it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like for National
0: Geographic. So he made her stage these things.
1: Okay, so that she seemed, appeared alone a lot more, I guess, at the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah and he sense. made her, he'd shoot and reshoot. He'd be like, hey, you're going to be looking like this. You're going to be doing that. And make yeah. her do it again and again and again. But it was all, it was not like it was contrived and fake, but like he was trying to get images off her for National Geographic.
1: Oh yeah, no, I think it worked. I think it worked beautifully because obviously like in that beginning thing, I was like, she does seem very alone. I was just confused by who was filming it. So now, now you're kind of like, okay, um, it does, it does, I think it does depict that very well of her being her kind of solitary moments at the beginning. I thought it was very yeah. lovely.
0: Yeah, it was. It was Awesome, I guess we can talk. I mean, this was our first documentary film, so yes. what is your relationship with documentary film? I'm just curious. I do love you watch documentaries, it I do. Oh, I watch yeah.
1: quite a lot of documentaries, um, but various ones, different styles, different types. I'm kind of I don't watch too much nature documentary, so I will admit, um. I don't know why. I think there there are certain there are certain scenes about kind of wildlife that I think are beautiful, and there are certain scenes that I'm like ah. Um,
0: but in this movie, yeah, we can come to that later. But it's super important to remember. I think that documentary film, at the end of the day, you're actually just watching what the director wants yes. you to see. Yeah. So he's got. 160 hours or whatever it is how much footage they had he chooses how to chop it up and write a script and make a message that he wants you to take away from the film
1: that's that's such a good point and that's something that i don't think we think about with documentaries i think we look Mm. at documentaries like news
0: yeah, they're really yeah. not. It's a total art Yeah, film.
1: we think of it as, you know, like, oh, well, you're just telling the truth. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. It's
0: his truth.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And there's so much in this movie where it's like it comes out where it's like, what is he trying to say? And I definitely want to get a bit more into that a bit later uh, with themes and everything like that. But something I wanted to highlight about the production of the film is guess what? Uh, what? What? Are we shocked? <laughs> what is the thing?
1: Do you want me to say what the thing
0: is? Yeah, what's the thing? Uh, uh, Philip Glass sound. Ah, <laughs> Philip Glass. <laughs> Philip Glass is actually, and it sort of hit me as I was watching it, is that his kind of music is minimalism. Mm. That's his music. And kind of Jane Goodall is sort of like a minimalist as well. Don't they go so well together? Oh. Like, I don't know if she has a fashion sense. We all have a fashion sense. Like, we dress with intention. But the way her hair is and the way she doesn't have any ornament, apart from very, maybe, a sim- like, a simple pendant, the way she wears black turtlenecks and a simple shawl, like, she's kind of minimalist as well. Yeah. And he's minimalist too. And there's something brilliant about them together, I think. It's also the most hipster thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry like (laughs) they're both like these hipster gods in a weird way only by being completely sincere and earnest about their work they sort of Mm. make them these icons of people that aren't sincere right I don't really know what I'm saying but I love them both together they're both old they're both amazing (laughs) (laughs) you said octogenarian a while ago I was getting I love that word. <laughs> they are octogenarians. Um, production, other production thing, yeah, I mean, speaking of the sound, is that the footage was totally silent, by the way. Right. So to supply the sound, um, uh, they hired a recent grad from USC whose job was for nearly two years to become an expert in chimp vocalization and grunts. By working with field specialists from Gombe. Wow. So they had to add in all the sounds of the grunts of the chimps. (laughs) It was all, like, added in by this grad student who had this job to research the grunts. Oh, my God. That's insane. It's absolutely meticulous work that they did. Yeah, that's incredible. Because the color yeah okay. sorry no, yep. just
1: when you said that like that it had no sound I didn't like I didn't think about it in that way at all I was just kind of like yeah it's fine it's just her sitting in a tree and it's like oh I just it didn't occur to me that's absolutely mental
0: mm. wow it is mental I didn't because I, first I was like there's no sounds so they had the score like really loud it was basically like an opera that was the point mm. so they had this like opera and it was crazy but then I was like wait there's a lot of sounds of of chimps. All added in after. And here's another thing is that National Geographic paid for colorists to work on the image as well because it was heavily degraded. Okay. It was grainy and it would just look like shit. And if you watch the movie, I'm sure you're struck by the color, right? Mm -hmm. Especially that first, one of the first shots is like on the boat and there's like a guy in a yellow parka steering the boat and it's like really yellow. It's like very beautiful. All done in post.
1: Isn't technology amazing? And actually, do you know what? Not just isn't technology amazing because I have a friend who also works in post-production science. Can we just say, post-production is fucking amazing. People do not understand what gets done in post-production. The level of skill and
0: expertise that these people have is insane. Um, Yeah, it's just the production is just crazy. Um, Anything else you want to say about production before we move on to themes? Uh, No.
1: Just thought it was great.
0: Yeah, pretty special. Pretty special stuff. Mm -hmm. Without further ado, let's move on to themes. Anything pop out for you? (laughs) (laughs) Any themes? I mean, what do you think this movie was about, (laughs) Jane Goodall? (laughs) All right, what's my quote? Okay, this is what I think the theme of the movie is. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm children should be nurtured for who they are and for what they have to offer the world yes that's what I think is the whole message
1: that yes that's that was a lovely that was a lovely moment when she kind of talked about trying to take lessons from how Flo was raising her baby and and put that into how she was raising Grub you're so right well I didn't really think about that
0: or how her mother raised her yeah yeah I think I think Jane was like thinking a lot about the way that she was parented and then she saw Flo and mm-hmm. she, I think she was like projecting a little bit of the way her, she was parented onto Flo and then taking from that trying to be like how can I parent my own child and so there's this there's this whole thing about throughout the movie about like nurturing and raising that's how do we well, learn from each other? It's kind of beautiful.
1: I suppose it's like what you said in that quote. It probably, it probably resonates a bit from just the observation side of things. That like sometimes it's okay to just observe and just let people be. You know, totally. Don't, don't step yes. in and tell them how to be. Just, just, just watch how they mm. behave and and how they and you know most times they'll do right.
0: Yeah, observing, letting people be wild, even. Mm.
1: Just who they are, just yeah. what they are, what they feel, what, what they, they are. you know, it's like mm. there's no like, but when you try to impose your preconceived ideas into what you should be onto people, that's when you get restriction and you get mm. difficulties and people start kind of acting up a bit more because they feel like they're they're being pushed against. And if you don't push against people and allow them freedoms. Mm. Yeah, I really like that quote now that you've said that, actually. And I didn't really think about this. This is great.
0: But at the end of the day, the movie isn't called Chimp. It's called Jane. You know, ha- <laughs> it's like, how did Jane become Jane? Yeah. Well, the answer is she was allowed to be Jane, really. Yeah. It, uh, that, that's it. See it's what you can simple. achieve
1: when you get support. Unconditional, mm-hmm. freeing support.
0: Amazing. I know. All right. Themes are done. But let's go to our first section. Trope of the week. Abby. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> did you do a trope of the week?
1: So- no. <laughs> I really did try and I was just trying to look up and I was like cause, because we haven't done a documentary before and I was like what are documentary tropes like what are the kinds of things and
0: <laughs> I know I was like I
1: don't know enough about the types of tropes you see in documentaries and I don't really know what would even apply here so
0: um, well I guess documentary tropes would be like narration talking heads interviews stuff like that mm. I don't know um, but my, I just went with a real life cliche in the movie in, of her life. That's a cliche, something that she did. Yeah. Um, get married, have baby, leave job, become yeah. husband's secretary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, even, even Jane. Hmm. But she says, like, we didn't discuss these things. It was just what you did. You yeah. just get married, then you have a baby. And then yeah. she's like, oh, okay, well, we can't be here, so... Oh, he's got to go, so I guess i got to go, and off yeah. I go. That's all.
1: Yeah, that's true, though, and that like a sign of the times kind of thing, you know?
0: We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think now it's time to get into our science section. So, science. science. I've stu- structured the science section, or the science as a theme section, into two parts. First, we'll talk about the environments of science, environments where science is done in the movie, and then we'll have a big old Jane Fest.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: So the first science as an environment thing is, I guess, I wanted to talk about wildlife photography and specifically with National Geographic. Yes. Now, did you grow up with National Geographic as part of your life? Yeah, at absolutely. At all? go on
1: i don't know it was just a thing it's just always a thing i i remember being fascinated when i would see the magazines because the cover shots were always amazing i definitely went through a period of my life where i was like how could i work for national geographic before i realized i don't oh, like to totally. bugs so i could never go somewhere tropical um i'd have to be someone- <laughs> 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 <It's>
0: so true <laughs> I'm exactly the same.
1: <laughs> Listen, I was having like an anxiety attack yesterday because we tried to eat dinner in the garden and there were so many flies. <laughs> like, this is my level of not OK with bugs. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a thing. Like they're very distinctive. The National Geographic magazines are. Mm-hmm. It's something that like I think Like everyone I know has at some point had a subscription to or a stack of them in their home And then you have the TV channel So then you become like oh National Geographic documentaries and stuff And yeah it's kind of where you go to isn't it It's that it's the place that you trust Like you Mm -hmm. trust National Geographic to give you accurate information And amazing visuals of things that you can't
0: possibly see in your own world Totally. The thing you said about the bugs is so funny because all Raf wants to do is go be with animals. Like oh. that's what he wants. He wants to go be with animals. He wants to also take videos of animals and things like that. And I'm like, it be great. Like, and I said, Jane Goodall just like got up and went to Africa. And he's like, so she didn't, no one told her to go. I was like, no, <laughs> she just went. Um, but then I, at the back of my head, I'm like, the bugs. <laughs> I just want to tell you, child, there will be bugs. So many
1: bugs. What
0: about bugs? <laughs> but uh, maybe he'll be tougher than me. <laughs> Moving on from wildlife photography is, I guess, the whole premise of the movie, what Jane does, which is field research, mm. observing animals in the wild, um, mm. which she does ostensibly. I have a quote from her. She said, I never wanted to be a scientist. I just wanted to learn about chimps. And quite honestly, I didn't care what they said, as long as I was getting funding for National Geographic. I was studying the chimps, and if they didn't believe me, and they they here, she's talking to the scientific community. Hmm. Well, they had to, because Hugo filmed it all. I didn't wish to get into the scientific community. It didn't really matter. Firstly, let's your reaction to that quote number one
1: well actually now that you say it there's probably a bunch of scientists out there who were like screw this bitch we're trying to get funding what she doesn't even (laughs) want to be a scientist don't give her the money but I do I like that I like the whole um I like her whole perspective of just like just just screw it let's not get into the politics just just give me the money let me do it just Mm -hmm. give me the money
0: yeah and the National Geographic was kind of Like they were funding uh, her to be there with the photographers for their magazine and everything like that. So they funded. Yeah. Yeah, they they were funding her. I don't really get like they, they were funding her. National Geographic was funding her. I'm not really, really sure. But the point of the funding was to document all of this stuff. But she was getting money from somewhere and she was like, great.
1: Yeah, like you said, this was specifically funded by National Geographic and I never really thought about them as anything more than a magazine or TV station, but it of course makes sense. So what I kind of found was that the National Geographic Society was founded in 1888 by what they refer to as a group of elite scholars, explorers and scientists. Explorers. I know. Yeah, back in a time when that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the mission statement for the society is to increase and diffuse geographic knowledge while promoting the conservation of the world's cultural, historical and natural resources. Uh, but what's interesting is National Geographic itself is actually a non-profit organization. National Geographic Society is a non-profit organization. But since its creation, it expanded uh-huh. into the National Geographic Partners, LLC. And that's a joint venture between the Walt Disney Company and National Geographic Society. Aha.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. So
1: then the NGP, which is the partners thing, combines the television channels like globally with the magazines, studios, books, maps, social media, events, sales, licensing, business, commerce, all that stuff. Uh, but the NGP returns 27% of its proceeds to the National Geographic Society in order to fund work in science exploration, conservation and education. Okay. Yeah, so I kinda I, I liked that. I was like, okay, cool, that's good. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: And we haven't actually mentioned that National Geographic produces movie.
1: Yeah. So like I mean so it makes sense obviously. because they're they're obviously they're raising <laughs> funds. Like they're they're earning money from their sales putting that money back into their funds that they can then fund to scientists and photographers to go out there and get their journal like photojournalists to go out there and get their stories or to conduct field research um that will then feed back into their their sales and stuff so it's a nice little cycle that makes it like at least they're not like you know something I think it's amazing that something like that exists because without that you are you know like we we're both in the scientific community and like You're really dependent on like in the UK specific government funding and applying for grants in order to be able to conduct your research. So I just think it's cool that there's,
0: you know, that they're kind
1: of self generating.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. feeding themselves.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Thanks for explaining that. That's really cool. So without further ado, let's start talking about Jane Goodall herself. I've assembled some facts about Jane Goodall that are kind of relevant. Cool. So what I have to say about her is, um, her favorite books growing up were guess what? Oh, Tarzan, Doctor Dolittle, and The Jungle Book.
1: Hey, amazing!
0: She she started a nature club at age twelve at wow. school called the Alligator Club, which had three other members, one was her sister, and two of their friends. Oh. However, she became really unhappy around this time. Listen to this quote from her diary, age 16. Listen to this. Woke up to a... Hang on. (laughs) Woke up to be faced by yet another dreary day of torture at that gloomy place of discipline and learning where one is stuffed with education, quote unquote, from day's dawn to day's eve. Sad. (laughs) Sad. And that is my Jane Goodall impersonation. Oh, my God. Wow. Days dawned, days eve. So, obviously, she didn't enjoy school and she was kind of depressed. She kind of, um, did, like, I, do you know what? That resonates really. with me. I remember that. You're just
1: going you're like, oh, here we go again.
0: I actually, I told Raph about this. I don't know. Cause I just want to because he doesn't feel like he's like I'm not learning about animals at school. He's like ah, oh, there's barely anything, mm. and I just was like, Jane was like, what is school? As soon as she finished school, she was like, I'm out of here. Mm. Um, yeah, so she didn't in- enjoy schooling, but um, towards the end of her schooling, she had some biology and English, and her um, interest peaked in those things. But unfortunately, her family could not afford to send her to university. Mm. Um. And it was around this time she started to really crave uh, to go to Africa. So what she ended up doing was she went to a secretarial school, which was pretty common, um, and took a bunch of clerical jobs, like one after the other. One day, her friend sent her a letter inviting her to stay at their family farm in Kenya. She saved very hard for the fare with like a lot of the jobs that she had and left in March 1957. She took an office job where she met Louis Leakey, curator of Nairobi's Natural History Museum and a paleontologist. He was so impressed by how much she knew about natural history, and he asked her to be his secretary. But unbeknownst to her at the time, actually, he was really looking for somebody to research chimp behavior, but he didn't say anything. For a while, he had her working on on some of their digs, digging up fossils in Tanzania, and eventually... um, offered to her this position to study chimps, which she especially didn't have any feelings about chimps before that. She just wanted to, in general, live with animals like Tarzan, etc., etc. Um, yeah, so, and then Gombe, obviously, in the movie, shows us her time in Gombe. And after that, Leakey arranged for her. Leaky said, all right, it's time for you to get an academic uh, degree and arranged for her to do a PhD course at Cambridge which she did, and she had a supervisor at the time who taught her sort of how to be more um, – how to write in a way that make her, like, less vulnerable to criticism. And she graduated in 1965, after which she became an independent researcher. So very interesting stuff, and and it's brought out in the movie that um, one of the things that Leakey liked about her is that she was sort of untainted by the academic world and he wanted someone Mm. with an open mind – so she had no science education at the time. It was like she was there to observe.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, what do you think about about that idea? No science education, and yet, and yet,
1: I, 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 I went through different phases with it as the documentary I'm done. Actually, when they first, when they, when the quote first came, like not the quote, but when the text first came up at the start, I was just like. Pfft. As if that would happen now, you know, no science education, what the fuck? And then they explained like what he had said about like why um, that he wanted somebody who was unbiased with no preconceived ideas. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. that actually makes sense. And then once it got more into her story and it was about how like her family didn't have the money to send her to university, it just really started to like kind of resonate. And I was just... Being a scientist It's partly About your Education But it's about your ability to research It's about your ability to understand And I find that the way that the world is Nowadays being a scientist Is about how high your grades are And I just Nobody would be given that opportunity Now that Jane got Through Leaky. Um And it's quite sad because I find that because of the way that we have become so centralized and so administrative focused, what we do is we discount people who have so much potential, but we have barriers. Like whether it's economic or just like in our society, that means that some people don't have the chance to do that. You know, if she hadn't met him we wouldn't have Jane Goodall because on all because what? Because she couldn't, her parents couldn't afford to send her to university. And it's just like, it's, I mean, like I grew up in a council house raised by a single mother and I've worked since I was 16. I worked all the way through my degree. But when it came to scholarship applications for PhDs, it was like this catch 22 where you have to have the highest grades to be considered for the scholarship but how do you get the highest grades by having the financial freedom to not have to work your ass off through your PhD just so that you can pay your rent and buy food as well as study and it just means that what what ends up happening is that the people who have already have certain advantages in the world then are able to perform better academically. And then they receive the further advantages of the scholarships to go and do funding. And does that define what's a good researcher?
0: Yeah. She, the snobbery that the movie explains is atrocious and this like, and that's still today, the amount of snobbery in academia and also, yeah, like what now is make somebody a good academic And the amount of snobbery that's shown to people that don't have those qualities Mm. is outrageous. This movie shows us like what you need in order to research science and the world is a desire to do so and Mm. a tenacity. Yeah. You want to work hard and you care. This movie shows us like that's enough. Fuck everything. Yeah. All the
1: rest is... All the rest is red tape administrative bullshit. All the rest mm. is pandering yeah. to funding bodies. It's pandering to the scientific community as a whole. It's like,
0: oh, look at how Absolutely. many publications I have. And that's the stuff, by the way, like that political stuff is definitely the stuff that happens later in your career, right?
1: Yeah. Like there's
0: a point in your career, I, I guess it's around PhD, maybe a little bit after, yeah. <laughs> where none of this stuff is your issue. Where like similar to her her time in Gombe, which is like, like literally... I would say, like, yeah. idyllic, where she just gets to sit there and be like, wow, nature. And then only later after she became more advanced that she had to contend with the bullshit of academia. Mm. But that's the time at the beginning that the movie is set in. Is like, It's that time of, like, initial, like, ah, oh, science, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just such a nice, I don't know,
1: I was like, How much would you love that freedom? Like how much would you love that absolute freedom. To be able to go and do something. Nobody else has done it before. There's no preconceived ideas. There's no. um, Stresses or pressures. On what you should and shouldn't do. You're just going to go. And you just figure it out yourself. And develop all of the protocols. And the systems and the ideas. Of how, how it should all be. Without. And in that silence and quiet,
0: no noise
1: of everyone around. You. I know.
0: Can you imagine? So, <clears throat> in the movie, so she's at Gombe in her idyllic life, observing chimps, everything like that. And Hugo Van Lawick comes along in 1960. Well, I don't know what year he came along, but eventually they married in 1964, and they had one son, also called Hugo, but in the film. They refer to him as his nickname, Grub, but his name is like Hugo Eric, known as Eric. Um, And that's something which was interesting as well. As we said before, they got married and then uh, they cut Hugo's funding. By the way, cruel. Mm. That is so fucking cruel that they cut Hugo's funding when they were married. Fuckers. Anyway, so then he had to go to South Africa and then she was like, on I go then. I'll go and follow him and everything like that which brings up a couple of things. First thing is like they had a shared passion and shared interest. They were like, romance, this makes sense. Yeah. That's like the first thing I was just like, is that, you know, would you say that that makes, let's just ask that question now. Do you think shared passion or shared interest is something which should, is good to do like the, um, that's like the foundation of a good relationship? I don't know. What do you think?
1: I don't I think it's just different for different people. I think it depends on what yeah. type of person you are and what what type of a life you want and what like I think for somebody who wants to do that kind of a research, that kind of research then yeah, of course you would need somebody who yeah. had that kind of a passion. But in other relationships it's a shared humor or it's a, just a shared mm. like moral standing in the world, like beliefs or Like, just something that connects you both where you just kind of go, our paths will likely move in a similar direction, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I think for them,
0: yeah. I I think it's like, it depends how central your interests are to your life. Yes. (laughs) If, as with them, it was like, oh, extremely central, then yeah, you better like what I like. Mm. If any of them were the kind of person that would be like, okay, um... I really love what I'm doing but like I guess I'll find something I like a little bit less then they wouldn't have fallen in love yeah they fell in love with each other because of a singular minded nature Mm. that they had but yeah they just had so much to so much to give to the world so that it is what it is yeah um moving on from that topic um Moving on from from the topic of their relationship, um, there's an element in the movie I also find really, really interesting about Jane, um, about her good looks or her Mm -hmm. legs and, and the way that that brought so much attention towards her. And at that point, I think she started to go through a process which sort of ended in the 90s where she stopped her independent research and started her conservation work where well, she realized that, like, she needs to draw attention to this, the plot of the chimpanzees. Mm. Um, and she was like, whatever. If my legs give me attention, so be it. Another quote from Jane, she said this. If you really want to do something, you have to work really, really hard, take advantage of every opportunity, and never give up. And I love this quote because take advantage of every opportunity. I couldn't agree more with that. Something about uh, something misogynistic you know, misogynistic thing which really, really bothers me, and I, I know you're going to agree, is that often women gets put in a certain position of like, oh, your job is to be beautiful and like have good looks and just sit there, right? Hmm. But the minute a woman uses her looks to get ahead, it was like you're using your looks to get ahead, yeah, right? Whatever opportunity, take it. Who yeah. cares why? Never apologize. It's
1: so weird that we do that, don't we? It's this constant contradiction. Where we expect people to get ahead, but if people, like, use anything to help that, I don't know. It's weird. It's like everyone does this. Everyone does it. Do you know, I have a weird little thing with it where, like, um, it's, uh, and you can feel free to cut this out, but I... Like I said, I grew up in, uh, you know, I grew up in um, in Council House. So, my mom, you know, we had, there was a lot of um, social, social welfare throughout my childhood for support because that was what was required. And I've worked really, really hard. And now in my 30s, I'm doing my PhD at University of Oxford, which I've worked incredibly hard to get to. And I feel like immediately people will look at me and think, oh, but you're just... You're just a like a posh, rich person. <gasps> Do you know what I mean? It's that the, it's there's that stigma thing. It's like, oh, well, Oxford. you can only you can only go to Oxford if you've got money. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. but I don't have money. And then so you're stuck at a kind of thing yeah. where you almost fe- I almost feel like I can't use it. But using that mm. I get I will get more opportunity and be listened to more because I'm studying at Oxford and that's just the truth of it. But I feel like I'm not supposed to use it because then I'm, I'm using it to my advantage and I shouldn't do that even though I've been at a disadvantage all the way up until getting to this point. So then why do I feel like I can't use that advantage because the world tells me you can't use the advantages that you're given but men will do it.
0: I was going to say, yes, for, for every one person that's like, oh, I shouldn't, that just means you're a good person, by the way. You're busy doubting yourself and busy if something's ethical and there's 10 other people that would stomp straight over you yeah. and use it. I know. And yeah, like relating to what you were talking about with all of that, like never apologize for an opportunity. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do. There's somebody out do there. Do this. Don't do yeah. that. Do this. Somebody
1: yeah. is going to be against it. somebody's going to be annoyed with you. So I think you're right. Just fuck it all off and just take every advantage or every opportunity every that advantage given. just just use never
0: it. apologize especially when Quotes, you're using it for good not Quotes, don't care i know
1: she's using it yeah, for exactly. the benefit of our world so like fine so, also i'm sorry i don't want to be objectifying but jane goodall like hello she had great legs
0: she had great legs i was ve- and- i
1: was perfectly fine looking at her legs in the documentary
0: me too. She's lovely to look at. Yeah. Um, obviously. <laughs> By the way, how good's the cover art? I love the cover art. Speaking oh, yeah, of minimalism, with the trees. And that. Um, so yeah, she using her good looks. Who cares? Great. Why shouldn't she? Jesus Christ. So that is, you know, that's about Jane the person. She's really, really singular. She's really amazing. <laughs> you just can learn so much from this person. But let's actually start talking about the science, the science that she discovered, the science that she helped uh, propagate, um, starting with, of course, chimps, chimpanzees. Let's start talk about chimpanzees a little bit. So how nowadays analysis of DNA has told us that they are our closest relatives and we do share a common ancestor seven million years ago. So um, Attempts to observe chimps in the wild before Jane Goodall. I actually could not find much on this. The only thing I had was like a quote from her. I really I, I really couldn't find it. It was really hard to find the right combination of keywords. Maybe you found something. But what she said was there had only ever been one concerted attempt to study chimps in the wild. And that scientist, quote, had a trail of twenty two porters, which <gasps> I love, because it was just her, her mum, and like a cook. Oh my god. <laughs> How good's that? Jesus. She's so cool. Did you, um did you find anything about who was doing it before? No, her? I
1: didn't look anything up. No, I had a question for you that. about who was the guy who covered himself I in baboon chairs. <laughs> was like Who, who was is the guy that guy? covered himself?
0: <laughs> Yeah, the champs like I, I, I couldn't find anything. It was hard to find. Because yeah. I guess I guess when you look at that it's spammed with James Goodall information. Yeah.
1: It's really difficult. So, it's, and I mean I and I guess like because, because there wasn't much before her, like there's not gonna be much of a record of it. You know? And I exactly. guess like you know, I guess the guy who covered himself in baboon shit and hid in the woods didn't do very well. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Because <laughs> we don't know who so, he is. So <laughs> I know. We have no idea who the guy is, so fuck him. We have Jane, <laughs> it's fine. So observing Chimps in the Wild, which was um what she was doing, I suppose, us ostensibly. Um and yeah, I mean it's interesting to see because when I was watching the movie, I was like Especially with the scene with McGregor when she, you know, shoots McGregor after he contracts oh. polio. Uh, and she says, I don't apologize for that. So she obviously mm. didn't necessarily have the same, like she had, a she interfered. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I think interfered so, Interfered yeah. to a degree? Yeah. Yeah. But it's... Where, yeah.
1: I don't know. I guess like when you look at it now, you might see it as, as influence, but... She wasn't approaching it from that cold, calculated scientific study. She was approaching it from like, I want to observe them and I want to interact with them and I want to learn about them. And, you know, develop that compassion as well for, yeah, I mean, if you want to have like a, if you want to have a scientific study where you have absolutely no influence whatsoever, then put up hidden stuff with the technology that we have nowadays and try to observe what it is. But we're humans and to stand by while an animal is suffering and not do anything to help them, I just, I find that very difficult and I don't think I'd be capable of
0: that. But just from the the director of the film, I did find it interesting because, got another quote, um, that, that about influencing the environment and everything like that, not about Jane in particular, mm. but in general. He says, I saw this as a parable of the garden of good and evil of Adam and Eve, Morgan says. The movie opens with a montage of insects, animals and nature, all living harmoniously in Gombe, like Eden in a way. The last thing we see is the snake, the serpent. And underneath that image, you hear the sound of a boat. The first sign of man coming into the area. We cut to a shot of the boat. It's the one I told you about with the yellow jacket, actually. Mm. And it's very loud, abrasive sound. There's this great symmetry in nature prior to Jane's arrival. As we got deeper into the research, I began to have very mixed feelings, not about Jane or her intent, which is beyond inspiring, but about the fact that those chimpanzees lived in that area for eons, yet over the course of 60 years, their world was going to be turned upside down. It's just a fact about humans going into their space. It's yeah.
1: I I have I have mixed feelings about it as well. Cuz I found it quite yeah. sad, but then I also feel like I don't know, I guess like you can take the argument that if we just don't go, you know, we just leave areas, leave animals be wild, don't go anywhere near it, step away. But that's not what humanity is, and I don't believe that mm. we could ever control and our progression and our growth in a way that would allow for that so the next best effort is things that what people like what like jane and things that people do for conservation it's like okay we can't stop you from interfering but what we can do is try to preserve certain areas Mm -hmm. and try to keep them safe and try to make sure that you know they're not overly influenced But I just think we kind of can't remove our influence completely because
0: we exist Mm. as an animal on this planet as well. You are so correct. Yeah, it's not always malicious. That's also part of nature. We are part of nature. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's like if we just don't know about them, then no one is like, we'll just cut down all those trees. But what she did is say, look at these beautiful animals. They need to be preserved. We wouldn't know that if she didn't go in there and observe them. Yeah. A- and, like, that they're kind of human-like. And, obviously, um, the big part of the movie, which he's alluding to and we're alluding to, is the polio uh, virus epidemic in oh, the chimps.
1: That, that, those which scenes is the, were just, I'm sorry, oh, they were just really, really, oh, they're so just bad. so heartbreaking to watch, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I know, and so I found a, um, a, a wildlife epidemiologist um, at the Robert Koch Institute and Max Planck Institute. Um, his name is Fabian Liendertz. Um, he said that virtually all diseases that can harm us can harm the great apes since we share so many genetic and physiologic properties. Wow. Um, and so, even common human viruses that we've adapted to, that we all have antibodies of, can really endanger apes because they have not been uh, exposed yet. So there, there have been cases of common respiratory illnesses really ravaging uh, ape communities. Um,
1: has anyone checked if the apes are okay? Because <laughs> or COVID? Yeah. <laughs> a fucking pandemic jesus
0: christ on them? no one's
1: okay i hope that like conservation yeah. areas are just being really careful mm.
0: well, well yeah I mean, they'll I mean, know if anyone
1: knows about those risks it's them
0: now <laughs> so. people are much more careful yeah. so they have to interact with them in order to prevent poaching and things like that mm. um so now they wear gloves and masks and everything okay. like that they're much more careful. And in the movie, you saw that we're well, like, after that, we can no longer touch the ape. So, yeah. we, you know, we're learning. Okay. But, you know, it is it is sad and everything like that. And yeah. everything really like that. It's sad and really everything like that. <laughs> it <is. laughs> it's sad like that. Um, but that's what it is Jade... when you watch a,
1: a wildlife documentary. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I find it difficult to watch them because as much as I think there's so much beauty in learning about animals and nature... There's I, I find it I don't like Watching things That make me sad So then to see Like animals Being harmed Or even just like Natural like Feeding habits And stuff like that I just I just find it I just get really upset Because I'm just like No can everyone Just be okay
0: Leave him alone <laughs> Yeah 100% All we can do is learn and listen and be better, right? True. But Jane, what did Jane actually discover about chimps? Like she discovered quite a few things about chimps. The big thing in the movie that she discovered was that animals can use tools. And before we discuss like what's the big fucking deal, um, there are a lot of animals that use tools actually. At this point we know. You want some? Animals that Uh, use tools? Yeah, I mean,
1: that whole scene, that was fascinating. (laughs) I was (laughs) absolutely absolutely
0: fascinated watching them. It was
1: amazing. So, yes, please do tell me other animals that use tools, please.
0: Dolphins. (gasps) Not only are dolphins known to play with toys, by the way, Hmm. a lot, but they carry sea sponges (laughs) down to the bottom and use the sea sponges to disturb the sand at the bottom of the ocean, which draws out fish because, you know, fish like flounder. They hide under the sand just to be like, no, I'm not here. <laughs> so, so the dolphins drag the sponge. They <gasps> are carried in a beak and they drag the sponge to oh uncover my the sand God. How good! I know. We love dolphins because they smile all the time. <laughs> They're always smiling. Aren't they like dangerous? Shh. Isn't it this thing that we think dolphins are adorable and cute and really it's like,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes, they have figured out tools to uncover their prey. <laughs> their, their their hunting is amazing. Uh, okay, here's oh, another one. Ra- random. Sorry. Go on. Exactly. <laughs> the bolus spider. Here's a spider called the bolus mm, spider. The spider that uses a tool. So they no. make... They base spider. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... So they obviously have the web and their silk, but did you know they can take their silk and ball it up into a little ball and use it to throw and reel in their prey? <laughs> Spiders are fishing. They throw it, sticks to the little insects, and they reel it in. Oh. How good's that?
1: How has somebody not made a sci-fi movie about this?
0: I know. It's crazy. There are also at least 24 species of birds that drop things to make them easier to eat. So I guess, like, the sky is their tool. I don't really know how to... But like, but the bearded vulture feeds on bones. Excuse me, Don't, uh, bearded vulture. <laughs> so I think I think the big birds. I thought are you just were gonna crazy. say they were
1: eating little birds. So. <laughs> so
0: just... They're not eating little birds. Okay. They eat bones. They right. feed pretty much on bones, bone marrow. Mm. So they'll wait until like the other birds will be eating like a goat, right? They'll wait until everyone's finished with the goat. Well, first I'll say. If they have a goat carcass, they lift the goat up and they drop the goat oh. and they drop the goat again and again and again until their bones are like loose, but whatever. Oh, anyway, yeah. once they take the massive bone out, I mean like these huge bones, mm. they go up really high and drop them. And then and then it takes a lot of experience to learn how to do that. Yeah. Cuz they have to identify the correct rock and everything. Wow and the correct height. So they drop the bone, then the bone smashes and the marrow is exposed and they have a nice little snack. That's and they amazing. take it to their babies and their babies eat. So so when she, in the movie, came up with her big observation of tool using, she she wrote this to Leakey and Leakey responds, now we must redefine tool, redefine man or accept chimpanzees as humans. Oh. Apparently this was really big deal um and I was trying to like really be like I don't kind of I don't really get like what's a big deal um but at the time when she began her research it was not permissible to discuss an animal's mind or personality right um they only scientists only wanted to admit that they were little bundles of stimulus and response and any empathy or feelings for animals was, was considered absolutely wrong but um she observed unique individual personalities with the chimps, um, which people would consider as human actions. So this was, like, hugely controversial. And it's, like, also this science thing of, like, oh, if you can't document it and quantify it, then it isn't observable. You're just going to tell – it. It's like – Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, she observed personalities. Yeah. And people actually um, accused her of assigning them personalities. Oh, that's no. They're that's like, baffling. No. You're going to tell me this is about the church, yeah. aren't you? Well, I feel like it's connected. Right. Um, that stuff, I was like, I don't really get it either. There's a divine aspect of like, man is made in God's image. Oh. Man is apart from all other animals. Man has elements to him that animals don't have. So in order to say that like a chimp is similar to a man, it's like no, no, no. That's an animal. Yeah, man is made in God's image. We're not animals, and it turns out, as she observed chimps and was like, they're remarkably similar to us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. So, it's weird. Like, yeah. how can you possibly observe animals and not recognize that there's the mm-hmm. capacity for fear and for joy and for yeah. hunger? It's not and, very convenient and, and, and some sort of level of. Of knowledge I mean there's animals that can that learn like have developed ability to camouflage they know when like animals that can find their prey animals that can hide from their prey like they know that something is coming and they know that it's a bad thing and they know that they must mm-hmm. have this response like it's yeah do you know there's some connections yeah. in there and I don't know I don't know
0: and actually she says this in the movie doesn't she she's like what is different from humans to animals is speech We can tell each other things. We can tell each other about things that aren't right there. But in terms of our emotions and everything like that.
1: Yeah, go. How about taking the idea that instead of looking at from, from like the kind of religious aspect of man is made in God's image and we're apart from other animals, then how about taking the approach that, well, man was made with the ability to speak therefore man was made with the ability to tell other man that chimps are like people and you shouldn't fucking destroy their homes maybe that's why we're here maybe we're supposed to be here to protect all of other as you refer to not you but people refer to as God's creatures and God's green earth maybe we're supposed to be preserving it for God and not fucking destroying it for our own benefit
0: Tell yeah the other thing that Goodall was criticized for was naming her chimpanzees. Mm. At the time, numbering was used to prevent emotional attachment and loss of objectivity. So um, fellow scientists at Cambridge objected unpleasantly to, um, you know, they say like, you gave them their personalities, like you gave them their names. They also accused her of teaching them how to make Tools. Uh, oh. How to use tools as well. So, whatever. The point is that no one really wanted to accept this paradigm shift, mm. but eventually they did. And if you observe chimps, it's like so crazy how how like humans they are. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, and in saying that, the other things she observed in chimps that weren't known before. Another one is tribal warfare, and she says like she didn't know how brutal they were. Nobody did. Nobody knew to be scared. But she observed tribal warfare. And she observed, like, gang-like behavior, the way that, like, the males of a group would would sort of protect and prowl. And if an individual from another group uh, came into their group, Mm. they would attack them and take the opportunity even to kill them. So she observed some pretty fucked-up behavior. Yeah. Another thing she observed that wasn't known before was meat-eating. So she saw David Greybeard eat a piglet, a bush baby pig. Um, And that observation ran counter to the assumption at the time that chimps were vegetarians. They weren't. Oh, Jesus, someone (laughs) running past my door. You heard that, right? Um, Speaking of chimps, (laughs) and I guess most Special of all, I think, her observations was the hugging and the kissing Mm. and the importance of developing bonds between the chimps in order for them to have their social structures. It was those things that allowed her to see how similar chimps and humans are. Notably, it's her observations of motherhood, I think, which are like the highlight of the film. Coming back to the theme thing, and she says, oh, I want to do a study on her own child, like study my child where I'm studying Flint and everything like that. Um, and she couldn't. But to me, Abby, I have to say that I became so emotional at this point in the movie where she starts to talk about like, I can't raise my child and work at the same time and all these kinds yeah. of things. I think it was at that point that I was like, it, it was like, I really felt it. I really feel it. Yeah. The difficulty of motherhood. I must say. Just that. I don't know. Like she started to talk about the difficulty. Like she couldn't do both. And so she sent him away. Yeah. (laughs) But she also was trying to learn. And like we spoke about it before that she's like, oh, you learn how to parent. I'm going to learn from my mother how to parent. Flo, you know, is going to parent and everything like that. But at the end of the day, she's like, you know, I don't know. All these ideas about raising her baby and everything like that. At the end of the day, it was, like, impossible for her to continue what she was doing and mother. And so he went to England for schooling. And it's sad. Does that mean
1: that she's not being a mother? I don't know. No. Yeah. She made a choice. Yeah, I think she's a mother in the capacity of who she is as a person. And Mm. she... That doesn't mean that she has any less love for her child. She actually did something incredibly difficult by separating herself from her child just to give him the education that society dictates he must have instead of keeping him Legally. with her and and having mm-hmm. having him raised in Gombe, you
0: know. And also to be socialized.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. I do, I do think like, you know, it it's hard. You know, you don't want to isolate a child at that age, I guess, from, from other children mm-hmm. to to kind of just be around people and and learn and play and have have
0: friends and things like that. If she would have homeschooled him, he would have had a less... First of all, he would have missed the main point of schooling, which was socialization. Mm. And she wouldn't have been able to do her work. And I don't think anybody wins. Yeah. And the other thing in that situation is I think that if she did do that, it would have fostered codependency. Yeah. And it's funny, and I'm just realizing this now, as the movie kind of tells us that very clearly. It brings us on this journey where she's like, do I separate myself from him because it's better for him? Do I keep him here because, like, you know, it feels, like, emotionally the right thing to do? And then you see this example with Flo and Flint of, like, the failure to separate yourself from your child. Mm. (laughs) Or it's like, instead, Flint develops a codependency. And I think... um, with motherhood, it's like, what does it mean to be a good mother, right? And I think that there are pitfalls in motherhood to over-identify yourself with the role, yeah; to forget yourself, to forget your actual job in mothering, which is to support the child to become their own person. Yeah. Like Jane's mom did for her, mm. ultimately. Exactly. And it's kind of amazing how the movie does this full circle where you go like, oh I was raised I'm here independent because my mother made me so and then you go on this whole journey where she's like oh watching the baby and then I'm my baby what do I do with my baby I love having him here and then she makes a decision to send him away the right decision ultimately the movie is like we know it's the right decision because look at this look at Flo and Flint Mm. that's a terrible ending yeah Uh, it's like a story arc I know wasn't that scene Staggering Very sad It's Can I Can I Can I just say a couple of
1: things here Um, I just Yes Abby Because I find the whole thing fascinating Um, It's not something that we're going to get into But like you know I I struggle with the With the question sometimes about You know uh, Whether or not To have a child And Why I don't understand why we do this to women where we have this expectation and it would have been a lot more prevalent, I think, especially in the 60s and 70s for Jane Goodall. So like I can't imagine what it must have been like for her at that time where you're expected once you have a child that you are no longer you. You don't get to be an individual, independent person with your own personality, your own life and your own desires, your own hobbies, your own thing. All you are now is mother. And that means that you and your entire existence is centred around this child. Absolutely. We're here and we're talking about Jane's decision. Jane's decision to send him to. Jane's decision.
0: <gasps> yes.
1: Do you know what I mean? It's yes. like nobody nobody in yes. this in this thing is saying about how Hugo was just in the Serengeti. And, and what about... I wonder, like, but it's... I don't mean this in a in a thing against Hugo. I just mean did anyone ever consider that that might have been a difficult decision for Hugo as well? Mm-hmm. Like my my understanding is that they did have a very good relationship and that actually when Hugo died, he went to mm. stay with I think the son lives in the Serengeti somewhere or yeah. in that general area and that that Hugo when he was when he mm. was sick and dying, he went to live with his son. Um so I don't know, it's just it's just interesting how this is all about
0: how Jane yeah it cuts both ways one we're denying him the fact that it might have been difficult too but the other hand yeah like we're not giving him his equal share of responsibility for the decision yeah but I think um I know the movie is about Jane but I just I just found that interesting no but she but that's reality she would have received that flack I guess yeah um it comes full circle and we come full circle as well because like we said The point of Earth isn't necessarily like, oh, we have to follow the same thing. Meet a man, settle down, buy a house, have a baby. Maybe not. Maybe what we have to think about is what is our own individual contribution to the world, how we can make the world a better place. Maybe if we're true to that, that's how we raise special children who can do the same thing in their turn. Yeah. That's what I came away the movie feeling inspired to say, yes, yes. Follow your dream as hard as it is. Never give up. Beautiful. (laughs) It's so hard. Our lives, it's hard. It's not always easy, but it's the right thing. I'll tell you one thing about chimps. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Chimps don't give a damn about what anybody thinks. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's all the science and stuff. And now... Straight into what the fuck? Yes. Because let's do it. Okay. All right. Play the music. Bow, bow. Maybe I'll, I'll dub in Philip Glass instead. Okay. Do you know I have my own recordings of myself playing Philip Glass? Oh. I have a friend who's a, like a professional recorder, and we did a collab.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Maybe I'll, I'll play it. Um, I'll play it the entire time. Oh, by the way, I'll put the track the entire time. <laughs> what the. Uh... What the what the fuck okay Abby um was there a point in this movie where you were like what the fuck uh monkey death battle obviously oh my god I was
1: traumatized <laughs> and just as it was happening like I was Traumatic. like I can't watch this and James was telling me he was like oh yeah no there is some really like, crazy videos of like and that's that's what he was saying about like monkeys being meat eaters and or chimps being meat eaters and what they do to each other and I was like things I don't want to see ever in my life and then that scene came up and I was like yep scenes I do not want to see
0: yeah the, the, the dropping the one out of the tree uh, and the, it is like ah! the yelp
1: the fear like don't tell me that these monkeys do not have personalities don't tell me that those ones that were ambushed were not fucking terrified how are, how are they running away if they're not scared like of course mm. of course they feel fear oh my god it was yeah. horrendous but it's i mean i know it's nature it's nature it's nature it's a thing that happens in nature it's not something oh, to correct but this is like- it's a thing that happens but it's just something that is just really upsetting
0: no that was like murder yeah like we're used to in nature lions being like and i had a little clip of uh, Hugo's film with the lions yeah. and the buffalo. I well, sure. also had to cover my For food. Enough.
1: This wasn't for food. This, was, uh, Yeah, she said it. She was, the entire group that moved south was annihilated. I think it was the word she used.
0: That's tribal warfare.
1: Yeah, I know. Because you said it, I didn't want to say anything because I knew it was my what the fuck. And I was just like, it's just, it's, it's terrifying.
0: It's moida. Yeah. And there was also a bit where there was like, she was like, chimps, they have feelings, they have jealousy, they have. And she showed a little clip of like just a jealous moment, you know, mm. where it got kind of scary. It's just yeah. like people start hooting and everything. Oh, Sorry. shit, What yeah, was yours? Scary. What
1: was your what the fuck?
0: Oh, uh, just a kid in the cage. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. In the cage, yeah. <laughs> that was when you're like, time to go back to England, bro. When she was like, yeah, they have been known to each other primates' babies. Oh, we are yeah. primates. So in the cage, he goes, it was a nice cage. I completely forgot about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Grab. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, I just. just... Snorted. Yeah. Yeah. The cage. It was like, I was like, oh,
1: my God. Wow. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Of course he had to go. Yeah. It can't be in this place where it's like oh yeah they eat other privates okay
1: oh wow Can you imagine
0: that's amazing anyway those are the things yep. <laughs> all right that's it that wraps it up great film great film very lovely film. good i mean like great editing shit yeah how do you do it um all right so that was my pick oh mm. final verdict yeah. okay Let's do final verdict. <laughs> Number one, does it pass the Jane Goodall test nah. for Bechdel's um, for Sam's? It uh, it doesn't apply. It doesn't. Okay. No. <laughs> it can't, well, yeah, because it, it can't apply.
1: It's not. It's you know. It's it's a documentary. It's not.
0: It's a documentary. It's not a fictional
1: story doesn't of characters. Apply. You what are you supposed to do in a documentary? Go. Uh, can we just get a few more like women in Gombi in these scenes? <laughs> like, come on, man. It doesn't apply. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's go straight to final verdict. Hmm. Uh, again, it's a documentary. How do yeah. you rate it? Wait, Family what are we chips. doing? It,
1: uh...
0: I'm skipping. Here comes. The oh yeah, it's like yeah. I, I just decided by myself. <laughs> no, I was like, I wrote, it's a, again, I
1: wrote that. I was like, did it's they a get the science how it, right? How can it not? <laughs> um, final verdict. Yeah, I, I just, think to be it. honest, I don't actually know how to mark it. I just feel like because because we're marking whether the science is good. A good depiction of science so i just feel like i just can't really give it a verdict in that respect so you know yeah because it's just i just don't think it needs one i mean it's that's not saying it's i mean it's a great movie it's a great documentary but like Mm. you know we're not we're not scoring it on its depiction of inaccurate or accurate science (laughs) it's just like it feels wrong to give it a number for that
0: Okay, I'm happy not to give it a number. I'll just make a stab at Marvel Films. <laughs> I just want to say that um, I, I just want to say that I love this movie, yeah, because it makes, firstly, it's about real life, which I understand people want to escape from and be entertained. But it celebrates so many beautiful things about life and animals and nature and music and everything. It makes you have to participate in the movie to really think about what it's trying to tell you. It's it's not lazy. Yeah. You have to work when you're watching it. And I appreciate that movie. And I just... It's, it's, I understand that big superhero films are the thing. But I think it's a little bit sad that there aren't more movies which force you to really engage... Right. Um, ...with the world. Yeah. Um, although I get why people want to escape. Right. But I think this movie is, is good because... It's, it gives you hope. Okay. Um, yeah. Real hope. So I just wanted to say that. Um, yeah. So is the next film a Marvel film? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can
1: literally can't fucking believe you just said that.
0: Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> I do I? Oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> my thing, girl. Why do you hate me?
1: <laughs> I love you. Shut up. Okay, we're doing The Incredible Hulk.
0: It's the next. The Incredible Hulk. Yes, yeah, the next one. Which one?
1: So the Edward Norton one. Not the Eric Banner one no, directed by Ang Lee. No,
0: <laughs> I, I honestly thought
1: about doing that when I was kind of like, if we're going to do a Hulk movie, but like this is the one that's part of the MCU timeline. So we're doing the, the Norton one. Plus, I love Edward Norton. Like I genuinely love. Also, Frida, we get William Hurt. Oh my god That yeah. is so random. Also I was watching really? I was watching the whole movie before I realized it was <laughs> towards the end I was like, who's playing that guy? <laughs> it was like fuck it's William Hart
0: <laughs> oh So yeah, so that is m- major random. I know, right. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. Ellie <laughs> pod. Oh brilliant. Alright, that's it. That's our Jane. Next time Incredible Hulk. Next Week episode three of our mini series on gaming. Yes. And it is.
1: Pixels? (laughs) I want to say. Pixels. Is it Pixels?
0: (laughs) We kind of. You'll be surprised what we say about Pixels, viewers. (laughs) You'll be surprised. All right. Please join us next time for that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us science at the movies at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. Uh, on Instagram, science at the movies at science at the movies. We barely use Twitter anymore, but it's, it's movies there. underscore science. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> it's there, <laughs> and that's it. See you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs> Bye.